Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say would uh, we'll describe this was. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of Cop 10 Practice of 2023. Um, happy New Year and I hope you guys had a good a good holiday. Um, nice time off. Um, now we're back in the, the mix of everything. The Premier League just fit and firing. Um, Liverpool just back to stress all, for, all four of us again and I'm joined by three not so merry men anymore. Um, not just because the holiday has passed but because of Liverpool's events during I would say the last couple of days um I'm joined by Yak, Anik and Mark um how are you guys feeling? Stressed <laughs> it was uh two two little wins to ease us back into the the club season and then straight back to reality so been a little bit zoned out I can't lie last day or so why is this club longing it for? Why are they making it so stressful as a Liverpool fan? <laughs> you know when I hear Alec, you slang, yeah? <laughs> I love so much. You know what it is? It's a Zoom picture as well. <laughs> That's like... Right. Oh, yeah, why are they logging it? It's like, hmm. Nah. You're too professional in that. You, you look too suave and too professional in that suit to be using such ragamuffin language, Alec. That's why... It's, that's the club. That's the club's fault. 
Uh, the club done it to Anik, yeah. Yeah, man. There's me in my FSG suit, yeah? Is that what you're going to say? That's that's a proper company, man, suit. I can't lie. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, Can I borrow I, it? I'm liking it. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, um, if you want to help Anik pay for his luscious suits, I must say, um, signing up to the Patreon will do a lot for Anik and his amazing suits. Um, from just £3 a month, um, we keeping Anik, you know, in the fly We're not doing Moss Bros around here. Hugo bosses, you know what I mean? Tell them, Anik. You know what I mean? Tell them. Tell them, man. You know what? Bespoke tailoring as well, man. I need a tux. I'm, I'm, I'm getting married this year, man. I need a tux. Please look after me. Exactly, like Anik, Anik. Yeah, when he goes into Hugo Boss, they know his name because of the lovely, lovely work our patrons have been doing. So thank you guys for all your, for all your, for all your coins and all your support and all your and, and all your and all your listening, man. Because we, we, this is what we do it for. I'm sure. Um, there's so, as you've seen, there's a lot of content out there. Um, Post match is probably the best I could say. Um, it's where you get the raw emotions after a loss. You know, you know when you get these pods. Sometimes I won't lie to you, we, we're too measured. We're too, we're too calm. We're too relaxed. We, we've had our, our time to gather our thoughts, to gather our emotions, and we give you great content, but not raw enough content. So if you want that raw content of our pain, that Liverpool and joy. That Liverpool can bring us. Um, sign up to the Patreon. There's a lot more. There's Bantics. There's um, scout reports that even Yak done for our uh, that for for our new signing Cody Gakpo, who um, Klopp told us to be very happy about signing. So you definitely want to check that <laughs> out <laughs> with, with what Klopp has been saying. But yeah, man. Um, enough of the plugging. Um, pause. Let's get to the Leicester game. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, that's the perfect way to end that. <laughs> so the Leicester, the Leicester game. Um the starting 11 thoughts. I I, I want to get um your opinions on this, uh Marco. So no Fabio, it's not so no Fabio, no Fabinho, no Ox. I'm sorry, I'm getting sorry, you know what? I'm not gonna lie, the plug um thing has me laughing um inside, so I'm just gonna stay calm <laughs> and stay composed. <laughs> sorry, all right. Starting 11 thoughts, no Fabinho. Ox starting his second game in a row. What were your thoughts? Um, I expected Ox to start, to be honest, because I didn't think Gakpo would be signed in time, more registered in time. I swear that was the other side of um, this new year. Carvalho, in the last game he started, which I think was Aston Villa, he got bullied. <laughs> and... Although I think he's a really good player, yeah, I just don't think he's physically ready. I think he's got a lot of growing to do and he needs to understand a bit more about what to do tactically in terms of the press. Um, with Fabinho missing, I knew Hendo was stepping to the six. Um, shout out him, congrats to giving birth to a new baby boy. But when that came out and we didn't know the news about him being out for birth, I was thinking, yeah, like we're kind of fucked. It's going to be Henderson in the six. Um, Fabinho hasn't been playing well, but he's been playing better than I assume Henderson would play in the six. And that was quite evident for the first goal. Like, GSB Hall essentially wandered through our team. Um, but yeah, that was the strongest team we could put out, in my opinion. The only thing I don't like, and we'll probably address at some point later, is I don't like how Klopp has gone away from the 4 4 2 that worked so well on the other side of. The World Cup, I think that was our best formation, offered us the best protection, and that was where we were able to attack and defend cohesively. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned um, us going away from that four four two. 
um, because I kind of felt the same way. Um, I felt like it was something that w- that was really working um, going into going into the World Cup. Um, but I don't know why he's kind of maybe it's because of the lack of Firmino. Um, because from what, what with that four four two, we kind of it was a four four two in terms of formation and starting and starting shape. But in the game, it will transition to a four three three with Nunes and Salah going wide and Firmino just get, getting those chances in the middle. Um, and I don't think we have Firmino to actually execute that. Um, if he was to execute that with the team that we have now, um, who, what, how would, how would you, how would you use it? Um, the four four two. Yeah, I would have Ox as the wide left. Um, if I remember correctly, for the Aston Villa game, when he came on, he was doing exactly the same role. Um, but I would have Ox as wide left, and I'll have Elliot as wide right. I don't like. Elliot, well, I like Elliot a lot. Let me start with that. But in the centre of midfield sometimes, his discipline means he presses like Bruno. Like he literally thinks he's a pressing monster and like presses all the way to the other side of the pitch. We've seen it in the game yesterday against Brentford where he literally presses, goes and probably presses about four players, goes to the other side of the pitch, we don't win the ball and he's out of position. Nothing comes from it eventually, but it's dangerous. You're leaving... Someone that isn't that defensively sound in Trent alone by himself constantly. But yeah, hopefully it's something that when Firmino is back, which is hopefully soon, that we'll look to go back towards. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Yak, I'll come to you. Uh, what were your thoughts on the starting eleven? I think um, the Ox thing, like Marco, I expected it and I'm okay with it. I think I'm yeah. I'm like I'm 99 sure I'm okay with him. You've been okay with know. it since the start of the season. So I, I, I'm you. You you held on well. You was like, you know what? If Ox can come through and give us a couple games, I won't lie. Yeah, he was the only one that kept hope. So I, I, there's no fault in that. You definitely expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point in the season, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't want it to be because Bobby is unavailable. Because like Marco said. I think the the system, obviously it's, it sounds pretty rude to say that it weren't the players, but it feels like the system was sort of just getting us through and then back into a nice um, headspace. It was getting the players in their best positions. It was getting people in the scoring form, which ultimately makes it easier for everything else to come along. Um, going back to the 4-3-3, I do hope, I think, and I hope that it is a personnel thing that... Um, because Bobby's not there, he didn't want to um, risk going four four two and then not having someone um, with that sort of skill set and that mind. It's not even just like legs or ability; it's it's the mind to come back into midfield and when to cover other people and sort of piggybacking that onto the Elliot point. I think that's one thing that because Elliot is so like obviously brash with his pressing, it does make it feel like it's always that that's the issue and I do wonder if I I mean I haven't I'm not saying I have I'm not saying this is the truth but I do wonder if we sort of look back at the games whether it's almost the covering or well the lack of covering um, that's changed in our team it feels like players could do that in previous iterations of the Klopp team they could sort of go on a mad one and just chase the ball and just say to the team like no we're going to get the ball back now in three seconds it seems like if that player goes, everyone else is suddenly lost. They're not following the press, but they're also 
lose their man if they make a run. And I feel like it's almost, it might even be that second phase that we're actually completely lacking. But because Elliot is so like, I don't want to say obviously bad at defending, it makes it feel like that is the problem. But if someone else was doing it. I don't think he's bad at defending. I just think he's gung-ho, like, no, I think he, I think he's bad at defending. That's what I was saying. I'm not saying you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry, don't worry. We can run with that still. So <laughs> I think, yeah, um, he plays like a previous iteration of Liverpool. Yeah, where what we were doing was winning the ball back in three seconds. Gang, gang press. Right now, mm. yeah, to me, he presses the most. Henderson stands still. Yep. Thiago only presses like every 10 minutes. And Fabinho... Pff, that's impressive at all as well. So him and Henderson are literally standing around like lighthouses. And when it comes to Elliot going by himself, he's the one that's energetic and nobody's backing him up. And that's where it leaves the gaps. But for me, if you understand the players around you, you should know that you're not supposed to be pressing in certain phases because you're going to leave spaces. Um, maybe that's not in his nature. Maybe that's something that needs to be coached into him, but we'll have to definitely see. This is a good conversation um, about our pressing and our, how, you know, lacklustre we are, especially on the counter, um, because that kind of leads us to the first goal uh, we conceded. Drewsbury Hall, and word to a famous account called Coppin Frecas, he was running through our midfield like prime cacker. Um, I want to come to you, um, Marco. What do you think went wrong? And, and you kind of alluded to, you kind of alluded to our midfield um, being... Um, you be, being a man like Fabinho, especially defensively, um, it's pretty it's pretty obvious what happened. But I, I just kind of want you to kind of, in some way, break down the faults in that goal. I guess, brother, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I literally <laughs> couldn't believe it. And just to give you some insight into Copenja, I've not been a Dijsbihul fan. But I said, if you were able to get him for 10 million or something, yeah, he can come in and be a squaddy, innit? So, Mush has always been a bit on to me because of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're watching the game now, yeah, and I look down at my phone, like, I think I was talking shit in the Coppin group chat, like, we're arguing about something. I look up and I see Juice Hall literally running through by himself. Everybody went away from him. Like, Henderson, I think he skips past Henderson or Henderson doesn't get close enough to make a challenge. Robertson's got somebody on the outside of him, so he's worried about that and he's backing off. Trent is backing off. Was it Matip? Yeah. Matip was backing off. Bare people were just backing off. And they were worried about the men outside of them, but nobody was going towards the ball. By the time it's time to go towards the ball, it's too late. And he's already thrown goal. Slots it very well as well. Like it was a decent finish from him. But that was absolutely appalling for me. From the header being lost, what? One thing that Ellis said that's ringing true at the moment is we're losing a lot of the second balls. We're not challenging. We're not physical enough. We're not competing enough. And it's so annoying to say that as a Liverpool team now when we pride ourselves in intensity. I'm watching the Arsenal-Newcastle game at the moment. And you can literally see how intense these players are. This is a scrappy match because they're fighting for every single challenge. And that's what we used to be about. Like When teams were getting on top of us, we get a bit beaty. When teams are getting a bit too into their ascendancy, we'll start making a bit cynical fouls. Like that's why a lot of people call Robbo a prick because 
there's a lot of times he's been that prick for us where he's able to make those challenges. Milner's done the same for us. Henderson's done the same for us. Fabinho's done the same for us. Genie's just been a monster physically that he doesn't even need to foul. Like, you can't get past him when he's having a good day. But now, yeah, we have very, very feeble players and it seems like they've lost whatever asthma pumps or whatever they were using in Melwood because we've moved to a new training centre. But but it needs to come back. We need certain players with a certain grit to come in and help us in our midfield. No, for sure. Um, that I echo those sentiments more than more than more than true. Um, I I, f- I think that we lack so much in midfield. It just gave Drewsbury Hall a a free roam at just running out of defence. And the fact that it just feels like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mentally or physically. It seems to be a mix of both. But our hesitance to engage into tackles, it's just, it's just, it's just mad right now. Like, we seem like a tepid side. We seem like we're timid. We seem like every single team can physically outdo us. We seem like we're scared of, like, even, you know, just engaging in, in counterattacks at speed. And... I can't. I want to. I want to come to you, Anik, because you have also been a a detractor of this midfield, especially since a certain Spanish man came in, um, and you feel like we've lacked a lot since then. Um, what are your thoughts on the that first goal? If you was able to see it, because I know you wasn't able to catch the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I watched it back. It's just he just literally just carved through. Not in carved through, just walked through our defense, our midfield, and there was no pressure on him. There was no intent. There was no. There was no nothing from 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 anyone there. And I, look, I don't want to blame personnel for it, but there are certain individuals that are really not pulled their weight this year. And I think if if we look at the three that played, you know, Sorry, Anik, Harvey, name names, name names. This year. This year, I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll put it out there. I don't think there's been one midfielder for us this year that's performed well. Honestly, not one. Yeah, I hear you. Not one. Some have done worse than others. Some have done better and than others. And who's done but... worse than others? I want to hear the name, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Henderson got the most GA from midfield last year. Okay, and he's not hitting his GA numbers. So that's one. Thiago... I still don't know what he brings to the team, but it is what it is. And I think, and I, I think with Elliot, look, Klopp plays him on on the right hand side of midfield all the time. Like, and I, I, we've never had a left footer in the midfield that plays on the right hand side. So why he's decided to to start playing him there really just doesn't make sense to me. Like, naturally, if you have a left footer. Want to play him on the left hand side, especially when you're in the center of, of the park, which is where our midfield tends to be. And I just, hey, and it, just a quick rebuttal on that, yeah, just to like, yeah, at least play devil's advocate. So we were supposed to buy Fakir, yeah. If Fakir had come, he mm-hmm. would have been playing on the right side of our midfield based on the personnel we had at the time, yeah. Also, so when Shakiri's played, yeah, he hasn't always played as a winger, sometimes he's played as I believe a 10. And as a right-sided midfielder, mm-hmm. I agree. So would you but say has, I? I I personally think as as individuals, they're they're actually better than him than Elliot, and that was going to be my next point. I I actually don't think 
Elliot's going to make it. I, I I don't think he's just going to make it in this team. I think Klopp's going to do exactly the same that he's done to Curtis Jones and just I don't know, just stifle him out. And and I I, don't, I, I just don't think he's going to make it as a player. But that is a, I that's, think. Wait, sorry, sorry, Annika. I got I got yeah. I got I got, I got to do the hosting duties there. That is a big, big, big yeah. statement. Um, yeah, there's there's there, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There, there's nothing I see in in his play as as a footballer that makes me feel as though you know what. You know he's 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 going to establish himself in this let, side let as a star. Open family, yeah. Those views about Elliot and Thiago are Annex views and yeah. Annex views only. Let me let me let me dive. Sorry, let me dive into these thoughts a bit um, because okay. I'm interested in especially the the Elliot one um, because yeah. I feel like Elliot has been someone that's come under a lot of criticism, especially this season. Now he's been put in the the big leagues, so. I want to ask this to you, Annie, because you, uh, you you mentioned that he he's not going to make it, and I personally feel like um, Klopp is doing him a disservice by um, overusing him um, before his time. Um, I've always been of the sentiment that unless you're a Cesc Fabregas um, level of talent, um, you cannot be playing in the midfield at, as a teenager. Uh, that's just that's just me, um, especially at the top level, um, which we are definitely at. Um, so, do you not think um, there is a future, for example, if like um, Elliot is we have like for example grown men in midfield we, we sign like let's say one or two midfielders and mm-hmm. Elliot is kind of bedded into the side where and you know kind of give him more games like we know when we beat Bournemouth 9-1 um, mm-hmm. or 10-1 or whatever it was um, or those games where he's going to have less combat he's going to have less combat combat in midfield and he's able to just be on the ball more do you not see Elliot um, getting more joy in situations like that and with game time like that so I think, look, I look. I, I know I said that he won't make it. I, I he's not going to make it in this current Liverpool side. Okay, he might make it at another club. He might make it in another system. But in our current system, and that, in my view, our midfield relies heavily on getting about the pitch, being industrious, being physical, and. Actually, being you know, when you go in for a tackle, you win the ball. When you get the ball, you distribute it. You're quick. I don't think Klopp. I don't. I don't think Elliot's going to make it. And I don't think Klopp is helping him. I. I. I, I it just doesn't make sense. It, I know it sounds so narrow-minded, but to play a left footer on the right-hand side of our midfield, and you know, naturally you're going to try and bring the ball in play. Like we play with width. We play using our fullbacks, and I just don't think. You know, Klopp is helping him to do that. And to be honest, with Elliot, there is nothing really about his play that, like, stands out to me. Like, I don't think he's going to get any quicker as a player. He may get a little bit stronger. Technically, he might do, you know, a little bit here and there. Like, But I've never seen him, like, you know, play a one-two with a guy on the edge of the box and, and wrap it top bins. I, it just, I can't see him doing that. I just see him just as a body in there. And, look, I know he's only 19. Okay, and you may think I'm being a little bit harsh at this point, but you know this is Liverpool. We have a midfield crisis now, and players like him, I I do expect to to step up. You know, you can just look look across his you know compatriot that came from Fulham, and you know you can even argue that Cavalli has done more this season than than he has. Um, look, it might be harsh, but I'm just I don't agree with that. By him. the way, I think Elliot's been miles better than Cavalli. Like, I, I don't Cavalli know if it's good, so. um, but. He doesn't Cavalli's had more moments for us. Cavalli's had more no, moments. He hasn't us. had influences on games at all, in my opinion, man. 
Yeah, you know what, um, Anik, I I see your criticisms of of Klopp of Klopp's use of Elliot and Elliot himself. Um, I do feel feel like for a nineteen year old, especially, he's been overused, especially in games where the profile has not been for him. Like, like, come on, like putting Elliot in the midfield at Napoli is insane. Um, playing him away at Old Trafford, insane. Um, as 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 rubbish as Man United are. You know, there's been certain games where I felt like Klopp has not helped him um, in terms of his development. Um, and I feel like I wouldn't exactly put it to the same level as, as Curtis Jones because I feel like over time we've kind of seen, unfortunately, that Curtis Jones has not been able to stay fit enough for him to be trusted. And we know how Klopp, um, how Klopp loves, you know, um, players to stay fit so he's able to trust them. And that's what Elliot has actually provided him since his injury that he had last year. So... I think we can put a pin on that, the the Elliot stuff, because we will come back to it very, very soon. Um, because I just want to get on to the to the next two goals um in the game. I can't lie that these next two goals, um, we'll speak about the first the first one for us. Um Fires had a nightmare um at Anfield. Um whoever had who whichever obscure person decided to have a, him as a gem in fantasy football, um, hold those minus eight points because wow, um disaster class. If I do say so myself, um, the first own goal um, came from uh, a, it was a Trent cross, and then he kind of just got his leg out. The direction of the ball, the ball just hit a bit too sweetly. The direction of the ball um, bobbled off of his legs, kind of went over the keeper, and he kind of lobbed his keeper. And yeah, man, it just went in. Um, yeah, <laughs> thoughts? Did, did you um? Did any of you see after the game? It might have even been at half time actually. Um, they showed the audio from behind the goal and the yes. keeper shouts keeper like seconds before it as well. So like way more than enough time to get out of the way. And something in him just says, no, it's it's fine. I've got it. Don't worry, boys. I've got it. And he just, he hasn't. But, he, you know, he actually, he's um, a Liverpool supporter phase. So, makes perfect sense. Yeah. That, that performance makes perfect sense. Well, that second goal was... T- he yeah, the, the first one, the first, the first one's a brain fart, but the second one is, yeah, yeah. Hey, see if Ivan Tony's in his recent cold look. <laughs> Get that right now. That second one's a bit of a madness, though. Like, yeah. he's running towards goal, yes, but he has more than enough time to adjust his body. He just kicks it in. Yeah, there was there was time to like turn. Let alone, like, he didn't even have to kick it facing that way. He was like, yeah, I don't know. I'll, Actually, look, look, I'll, look, I'll take it. Looking back at the goal, um, I do feel like he was under pressure from Mo Salah because Mo Salah, when he's on you, um, especially when you're facing facing towards goal and you can only hear his footsteps, I can only ima- I can imagine <laughs> how petrified you must be yeah. to be like, fuck this, I've got to get this out of here. So, yeah. Don't get twisted. Bonkers goal. Insane, insane that he scored that. And I and as Marco said, we need to chat to Ivan Tony Carr. That was that was a brazy, brazy moment. But I, yeah, I, I can't really say much, man. Like it was just too I will, I will, I will say I do think we deserved to score two goals. Yes. So I know they were crazy goals, but like so the way that some people are sort of talking about the game, especially non-Liverpool fans, of course, is a little bit like those were the only two shots we had and I'm a bit like what like are you sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure we was all over them 
for for most of the game. They had a few openings, but you do when you play on the counter. And I, I think I think we we didn't play really well or anything like that. But I think we were definitely good for two goals, hundred percent good for two goals. Yeah, I feel like the performance warranted a win. Um, I definitely feel like after that first goal um, from from Leicester, they didn't do too much in the game <clears throat> to kind of no. get them back in. So. Uh, Nunez and Salah had a few chances um, in the yeah in the game, and I felt like we should have at least got a goal on our end. Um, I definitely felt like that was ex- that was kind of expected, but didn't happen. But two one, I cannot be mad at the, at that result at all no. um, against Leicester, especially as we've seen we're, we're not in the best run of form. Um, but yeah, I think we can. I've, unless you guys got anything else to say about the game, I think we can swiftly move on to the pain and the torture of Liverpool um, going down to Brentford. Yeah, stick the knife in, man. Stick it in. Right. Um, before I stick the knife in, um, as Yak is requesting, um, we have some some messages and some ads that we need to get through. So, yeah, enjoy the ads and we'll be back to talk about that Brentford game. Welcome back. And now we get into the Brentford game. Um, yeah, man. Start of misery and the start of pain. Um, I'm going to come to Anik first. Um, starting 11 thoughts. Um, compared to, um, so um, com- um, compared to the Leicester game, we had Fabinho come back in. 
um, Shimikas in for Robbo, Kanate for Matip, and a, a special mention again, Ox, third game in a row. Surprising many of his critics, including myself. How did you feel yeah. being that team? You know, I think I said on the last main pod before Christmas that, you know, these should be routine wins for us. Villa, Leicester and Brentford. And honestly, I had nothing to suggest otherwise. Looking at the lineup, I thought, mm, OK, yeah, rotating is fine. I understand. Plays a little bit tired. You know, fatigue could be creeping up. It's, you know, it's a big month for us. I didn't think that the lineup initially would, you know, cause us any sort of concern. I mean, how wrong was I? Um, do, you, do you want me to go into the game? Um, you know what? No, because uh, you know what? I, I, this this game, the, the 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 goals need to be broken down all on their own because okay. wow, it, it was a so, loss. So yeah, initial thoughts. Honestly, I looked at the lineup. I thought it's enough to get over the line. I thought, you know what, we're going to beat him. Honestly, fair enough. Um, Marco, what about you? Um, I completely agree with Anik. I felt like the lineup was good enough to um taken us over the line. Where I disagree is I don't think Brentford is a routine game. Brentford away. Um, they have shown in several facets that several instances even that they can play with the big boys in it. They were coming off the back of a win. Was it a win against City just before the World Cup? They're able to yeah. cause yeah, been. the big boys' problems in it because the way they play and the way they set up, Thomas Frank has them extremely well drilled. And in Mbermo and Tony, they tend to have two people that are in behind threats and are physical enough to deal with defenders. Um, as we saw for the first goal in it. <laughs> um, in terms of the actual lineup, I didn't expect any changes. I would have loved to see Gakpo start, but obviously not registered in time. Um, other than that, I wouldn't have changed anything from the lineup. Maybe other than starting Henderson, who I'd and if he was fit anyway, I can't remember if he was or not. But Henderson instead of Elliot or Cater instead of Elliot. And the reason for that is because we know Brentford are bullies. Like they're a very physical side. And you're putting, an, like we said in the first half of the pod, a 19 year old boy against grown men, like grown men that don't play around. So it would have been nice to see that. Yeah. Um... I definitely echo the same sentiments as well. Um, before we get into the game, um, yeah, with 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 this, I just want to get into this Elliot stuff. With with Elliot, again, I kind of touched on it before, but the overuse of him, and I feel like Klopp has done this a lot with midfielders. Where I've mentioned this before, I feel like he's kind of mismanaged midfielders in particular. Um, he won, for example, will overuse a midfielder to the even in our even in our pomp, he would overuse the Genie, Hendo, uh, Milner, Fabinho kind of quadruple. And it kind of of course injuries and other things happened in that midfield for people to be left out. But I don't feel like there is enough rotation and he gives enough people and he gives um players enough chances to prove themselves. And when they do come and prove themselves, they are a bit rusty. And 
I felt like this game kind of needed um, Kater, um to start. As much as, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm the one asking for Kater. Um, but Kater was that that game, and we kind of saw when he came on, um, that game was crying out for someone like Kater instead of Ox because, not sorry, not Ox, um, because of Elliot. Uh, um, sorry, instead of Elliot, because he's at least someone physically, you can say what you want about him getting injured, but in game, I don't see him get, losing a lot of battles. Um, Yak, do you agree that Kater should have started um, this game against Brentford? It feels weird to be here in this spot answering this question right now, but it doesn't. And this is what used to frustrate me, yeah? When you look at, I mean, obviously this season, um, Ox and Naby have been unavailable, but you look over the last two years, Ox and Kater, Kater, however you want to pronounce it, they have been available 75% plus of the time. They just haven't played. Klopp has not used them. He hasn't put them on the bench. Rah, rah, rah. It's going back to it right now with Harvey and Kater. All of these months, games, trials and tribulations later, and we are in the same spot. I don't care how anybody feels about him. I don't care how much we've all grown to despise the skeezer. He is our third or fourth best centre mid. There is no debate to be had on that. Like He is so much better than Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, James Milner. He just is. Every time he plays, pretty much every time he plays, we win. Last season, he plays a lot. We win nearly every game. Like it's, it's, It doesn't matter your opinion on him. Liverpool literally are better when he's in the team. So like... Klopp needs to get over, that's one thing with Klopp, he needs to get over himself with this and stop being stubborn. And you don't, you haven't signed a new midfielder to replace Naby. So play him. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not that complicated to me. Like, I know he wants to play Elliot. I know why he wants to play Elliot, and I appreciate that. But in games like this, we're all sat at home, wincing at the thought of Elliot going up against them players. Like, P- P- Naby's leaving, so what? So if he gets injured, so what? If he can't hack it, so what? You know Elliot isn't going to, so you may as well go for that 50-50 chance with someone that might do. And it just it just really irritates me. Like, I've, I've, we all, like, the personal things and outside of football things have no respect for Naby. But when it comes to football, we don't have any better options than him. So he has to play. Like, he so, just has so- to. So, quick one, Yak. Why, you know, you said in that that you're wincing at the thought of Harvey playing. Why why are you wincing at the thought of Harvey playing against that midfield? Because it, it gives, it instantly gives Brentford um, someone to target, and he's not in very good form at the moment. The last sort of five games that Elliot's played, I think for me, three of them have been the worst games I've seen Harvey Elliott play for Liverpool. Um, to me, like I, I'm a big fan of Elliot. I just want to get like I'm not trying to get him out the team or anything like that. But he's been overused, so it's not like he hasn't been playing and he needs game time. So that that reason is out the window. He doesn't match up well with the opposition, so that's the reason why you shouldn't play him. And I just it it just made absolutely no sense to to have him as the only player that you're burning out. Like no no one else in the midfield is starting game after game after game, and so I, I just. Like I, I love Harvey Elliott, but why is he, him being the only person you don't rotate 
against teams like Brentford is insane to me. I can't, I cannot get my head around it at all. It just gives Brentford such an easy option of like, of, of, of and how they did it like, um, was they, they drew the press and as soon as we started pressing, they hit the channel. As soon, they didn't like pass it around. That wasn't their escape valve. That was the game plan. So like, it was very obvious to see and, and the, the coaches would have seen it, the players on the pitch would have seen it. As soon as we pressed Brentford, just a vertical ball up the pitch to someone making a run. There was no like play in triangles, anything like that. As soon as the press was triggered and it, because they, they, there's not that, um, that threat of like, if they play a long ball and they don't win that ball previously, why teams didn't go over the top of us is because if we won that second ball and turn around, suddenly we were at your goal. And, I just there's so many reasons why Elliot did wouldn't have worked in this game, and I know it's like hindsight. And when I looked at the lineup, I thought exactly the same as you. We'll win that. They've got players missing. We got a couple players rotated. It's not like it's not like an injury crisis at the back or anything like that. I thought it should have been easy, but using hindsight, I just think if if Naby's fit to play, well, what is Elliot doing on the pitch? It's just it's like if you were to pick one game of the season for him not to play, it would be Brentford. And he plays him for no reason. I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, um, I agree. Um, it seems like you're getting at the fact that Klopp missed a big chance to play Naby Keita. Um, and speaking of missing big chances, before the first goal, we have Mr. Darwin Nunes, Captain Chaos, as some people call him, um, missed a big another big chance and oof i must say it is getting worrying um the fact that a lot of people including the mainstream media not just his critics are picking up on this um he is top of top of top on the league of most uh, most big chances missed in the league um but this one it was a goal line clearance and i can't fault him too much for this opportunity um not not going in um Mark, I'm going to come to you because you're you're someone that is more than balanced when it comes to Nunes. You're you're not someone who's fully bought into the the chaos, you know, the whirlwind that um, Nunes has brought to Anfield. But you're also someone that isn't his biggest critic, and you're just going to be like, "Well, everything he does is terrible because he's 86 million or whatever the god, whatever the price tag is now, um, and he should be scoring all of these goals." So. How do you, how do you think that chance went, and 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 what do you think of Nunes, um, especially since the World Cup? Um, so in my opinion, yeah, that chance stems from Salah and Nunes being close together, and that's why I wanted to start a four four two. Having them both up top, where they're able to interchange, is where we tend to get most of our joy and where we tend to send to score most of our goals. Um, ideally, you want Nunes to create some chaos and Salah to be able to like sniff chances in and around that. Salah is also an amazing playmaker um, in terms of fashion and creating chances. So he will be able to create a higher number of chances for Nunes himself, who should bag a few. <laughs> but going on to that chance specifically, I don't think he does anything wrong. I think his movement means that Salah plays the ball. He gets there quick enough, goes around the goalkeeper and he takes it as quick as he can. For me, yeah, a more composed striker or like a more informed striker would maybe dummy or take a touch to fake out the defender and then slot it. But 
that's theory. That's like asking him to be one second. What are you doing? Uh, so I'm just watching this match. But um, it's asking him to be like what he is not. He's not a composed striker. He's not a composed finisher. He's a very instinctual finisher. So he took it as well as he could, in my opinion. Um, so I don't blame him for that chance at all. But one thing I did say in the Copen group chat is if that chance goes in, the game is very different. So in terms of Nunes himself, like I like him a lot as a player. Like I think there's stuff to work with there. But and he's fun to watch. But I can't like somebody that keeps costing us points, in my opinion. And I'm not saying it's solely on Nunes, but if we had a more clinical striker, if we had a Haaland that goes around the keeper and binges that, or he stays on side for the chance in the second half and then scores that chance, games turn on goals. And if he was to start converting a lot of these chances, a lot of the games will go in our favour. But because they come to him early and he snatches at these chances, even though he didn't snatch at this specific chance, it means that teams get a bit of confidence, like they're supposed to be a goal down, but they're not. And now they know Darwin Nunes is up top and he's not scoring goals because the whole media rhetoric is he misses so many chances and he's not good in front of goal. So they think, oh, yeah, you know what, let's push on a little bit. Even if we let a few chances go past us or go let them have a few chances, sorry, they're not going to convert. Um, also, in the same vein, Nunes is the highest with 15 big chances missed. Salah's the second highest with 12. So two of our bagsmen, who are supposed to be essentially getting 20, 30 goals a season, are not converting chances at the rate that they should be, which is where I think some of our issues stem from. I also think there's issues in the midfield. I think there's issues in the defence, but goals dictating games and the fact that momentum can swing on goals is a big reason why I feel like that chance was so pivotal for, pivotal for us. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to say as well, I was going to mention this when we talk about the listeners' questions, but I'll just bring it up because it follows on from what Mark said here. So a lot of people, obviously, we're talking about the chances that Nunes is creating for himself, etc., etc. I'm in love with it. I love the geezer. I'm so glad he's here. But like we, a few, a couple of us said last night, it doesn't change the fact that if you put some of your chances in the goal as the striker, then your team might win. Sometimes football is as simple as that. But Nunes is shooting more than ever. Yeah, so this season, this is his most shots per 90. So as many, as much as he's creating so many of these, he is also being fed more than he's ever been fed. And he's got his worst shot to goals rate of his career. Salah is currently on pace to record his worst shots to goal season in his career. So it's just, it. there is very obvious problems all across the pitch. But if your forwards are historically bad at putting the ball in the back of the net, there's not, not really much point in sorting anything else out. So it's, it's, it's a weird position to be in. I disagree there, though. I think um, defence wins games. And I know that's a silly thing to say. In fact, no, 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 no. I would say defence wins leagues. So being able to not concede silly chances. And I saw a stat that said we concede the third most big chances in the Premier League. And Alisson's facing way more big chances than he ever has. But if you're able to have a solid defence, then you can hope for a moment of magic or 
hopeful mistake or something like that, like we saw in the Leicester game, where two mistakes essentially put us 2-1 up. But when you're constantly conceding chances and conceding silly goals, you're always on the back foot. So no matter what your attack do, and no matter how potent your attack is, they're always fighting an uphill battle. Do you, do you think, think we've gone? You gone? I'm going to go on a little monologue with Nunes. Is that cool? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I think Darwin, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him. I still do. He's one of my favourite players. And I, 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 honestly, I think he's going to come good. Yeah. The, the, the real sticking point for me is when these chances that he's missing actually lead to something. And when I say lead to something, that means us losing games. So in previous games, when he's missed chances, we've gone on to win the game. It's fine. Oh, dude, Nunes missed this. It's fine. Against Man, uh, Man City, perfect example. You know, he had a couple of opportunities there. We still won the game. It's fine. It started against City when, you know, he's missing these three chances and we end up losing the game and everyone goes back to the chances that he missed and like, you know what, Nunes, you know, should have touched some way, three clear-cut opportunities, bloody, bloody, blah. Now, when it comes to the opportunities that Nunes is having, I just think he goes, you know, he just has a brain freeze. Now, why does he have a brain freeze? I think that's because he needs to realise that in the build-up that we have and the link-up that we have, he is usually the final pass. And when I say the final pass, he should be the guy on the end of the ball tucking it away. Now, he had those three opportunities against City and he wasn't clinical enough. He had a very similar opportunity, if you remember, against Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And he decided to square it to, to Robbo. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he's doing. I think he needs to realise in himself that he is going to be the final ball the final opportunity, the guy that's going to stick the ball in the back of the net is him. I still think, I said, I used to think this a couple of games ago, and I still think it, that our fans and the media are more upset about missing about him missing the chances than he is. I don't think at the moment he's too fussed about missing the chances. I think he knows in this team playing this style that he does, he's always going to get chances it's now a case of him putting those away because the longer it goes on, the more of a problem it's going to become for him. It's only natural that psychologically for him, he's going to start thinking, you know what, I need to start bagging because I'm not scoring and it's going to start becoming a problem. So I still got faith in the guy. Um, I still, I still firmly believe he's going to come good. You know, I just need to see a little bit more now. And um, with the Gakpo signing, I think that could help him in a way. I think before Gakpo, you know, we had Salah, Firmino, Ox and himself for the next couple of months um, because obviously Diaz and, and Jota are out. So he probably knew in the back of his head that, you know what, I'm going to be playing anyway. Next couple of months, I'm still going to be playing games, even though Ox is there. So he's probably thinking, I've got, I've got, an opportunity here. Now with Gakpo there, probably just puts something in the back of his head that, you know what, we've got another attacker. There could be a possibility that Salah goes down the middle, you know, and, and Gakpo slots in. So I think it, not not give him a kick up the backside, but he could just be thinking, you know what, I, I need to start delivering. And, and the only way I can deliver is by sticking the ball in the back of the net. And ironically, against 
you know, Leicester, it was margins. You know, it came off the post. Yesterday, I think he'd done everything right. He rounded the keeper and he shot. You know, it, it was cleared off the line. And and we could be sat here saying that, you know what, he's bagged two goals in three games. So it's at the moment, you know, it can be fine margins. I still think he's going to come good. But, yeah, we just, just need to see just a little bit more from him. To be honest, I was more annoyed at the offside chance than the actual rounding the keeper chance because... For that offside chance, yeah, I feel like he has more than enough time to get back onside. He's the fastest player on the pitch, so he doesn't need to go early. And that puts us 2-1. Yeah, we scored about 90 seconds after that, and maybe we don't score if he scores, but it changes the game. And like I was saying, momentum swings on goals. That would have been a momentum swing within the first five minutes of the second half. Then you kick on, you carry on applying pressure. Um... I do also think Klopp should have made changes earlier. It was clear that Cater was probably needed. Like when Cater came on, he was driving at the Brentford defence. He's someone that likes to do you touch, I touch a lot. So he's able to run past people, offer one-twos, offer himself going forward, arrive late in the box, even though he isn't the greatest finisher. But He's able to do the forward-thinking stuff really well and is decent defensively, wins all his duels, well, most of his duels. And the way he controls the game is very unique. He doesn't do it in the Thiago way where he everything goes through him and he's dictating passes all over the place, but he does it in the sense that I'm going to take this ball and I'm going to like make sure that we carry on ticking, like we carry on moving the ball around. And he, I like that from him which is why I used to be a huge Naby fan. My main gripe with him has been availability and obviously some off-the-field stuff that I feel like he could have dealt with better in terms of the whole faking injured, in my opinion, and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, it was just a shit game overall. Like I'm looking at the table now. We currently sit sixth behind Tottenham yeah. and United, seven points off top four because United have just won today. And we, we, we get, how we get, do we eventually turn that around? We're getting we're getting ahead in our analysis because we've we've spoken so much about the game we haven't even discussed the goals we conceded yet and I kind of wanted to touch on those and see how you guys felt about uh, the goals that were conceded especially uh, so we'll go from the first one um, I'm not going to exactly say the goal was uh, the own goal was Canate's fault and I'm not exactly going to concentrate on that because um, Brentford did look like they worked on their set pieces which was evident through their literally their first two goals. But um, Van Dijk um, leading up that 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 corner he conceded. You know when Varane in the World Cup final just dropped to the floor and said, "Nah, fuck this, I'm out." Like exactly. I got that that feeling from Van Dijk because that corner he conceded was so out of character. It looked like he was so cooked. I was like that 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 was quite scary to see. Um, and it, I, I, like that leading up to that goal, what did you think? So this is this is the thing I said this. Before the new year, I said it will be interesting to see what happens with Van Dyke after the World Cup. We said before he's saving himself for the World Cup. All right, okay, you came back, you didn't get injured. Okay, fair play to Holland, whatever. But you start off it again. What's happening? Like, he's I think that's bullshit still. I think beginning of the first half, him and Konate defended really well up until the goal. And you lot have severely underestimated what it is to. Have someone like Mbermo, who's very quick himself, have the run on you. 
where I criticise Van Dijk is not for the fact that he wasn't able to get back because I don't think any, most defenders are getting back. Maybe Garvidal, maybe Canate, maybe like the top end of quick centre-backs are getting back to that. But Van Dijk isn't that at the moment. Like he's 30 now. He's just come back off an ACL injury. I wouldn't say he's one of the quickest centre-backs in the league anymore. I'll say he... In fact, no, I would say he's one of the quickest centre I wouldn't say he's one of the quickest centre-backs in the world. Um, but um, he wasn't ready for the pass. Like, he was looking at the play, not looking at Mbwemo's run, and he gets caught flat-footed. But in football, especially at the top level, when you're caught flat-footed, you've lost everything. You've essentially lost your advantage, which is why the Nunes chance happens, for example, where... Pinnock is very flat-footed. Nunes has the run on him and Nunes gets the goal. I think it's very harsh to say he's cooked because most defenders are getting cooked if they're not prepared like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's cooked. I, I, you know, I, I still think he's, he's a top defender. I, I just don't think that he is the, the animal, the beast that he was, you know, a couple of years ago. And... I, I just think he's gone back to how, how he was at the start of the year. I, I really do start of the season. He, he didn't he did he didn't play well at all yesterday. And fair enough, he, he might have I, been injured, but he I, didn't play well. And when I refer to Van Dijk as cooked, I don't mean he's like he's finished at the top level. He shouldn't be playing for us. I mean he's just not the same. Yeah, like, not, I agree. Not even, not even just not the same. I feel like again, since since his ACL injury, we have not managed him well. I feel like yeah. we've We've made him play too many games with no rest. Um, even, for example, the um, Aston Villa to Leicester to Brentford in quick succession. That's what, in the space of a week, just over a week, that's a lot of high-intensity games where we need to win. And mm-hmm. I feel like Van Dijk is not at the level, is not is like not at the physical level anymore to be relied upon like that and expect him to perform to the level we need him to. Um and that 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 conceding of that corner was just that. Like he he was like, I think um someone mentioned in the group chat today he was playing with a strap and some ice on. Um, I'm I'm not sure how true that was, but yeah, it, it did look, especially in that moment there, that he was yeah physically he needs a rest. And I've been calling for him to have a rest since like like last season, but I do feel like. That the, him getting taken off at half time was indicative of Klopp fe- feeling the same, um, at least for 45 minutes. That is because God knows he'll be back next week, uh, or this week when we're playing. Sorry, um, so I'm just gonna move, to, I'm just gonna move to the second goal as well. Um, we saw this is just before half time, another goal from another corner. Um, this time round, it was, it was more, I believe this one was just a, like a scramble in the box. It kind of reminded me of you know, when Liverpool didn't know how to defend. And we always used to concede goals from corners and they would just be a scramble in the box and someone just gets on the end of it and you're like, ah, oh, shit, we conceded it again. It kind of gave me um, um, flashbacks of that. Um, Yak, that second goal, um, can't criticise too much in the team because I feel like Brentford, it was just a well-worked corner. What do you think? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. I, there's not... The, the thing is, is like... It's very easy for um like pundits during the game, and I to be fair, I think they they done a better job of it to be honest during the game um than they usually do. They usually sit there after a set piece routine and say, "Oh, he should have done that. He should have been on him. He should have done this. He should have done that." But like that's 
that's why teams come up with routines because it's it is not as simple as like every point zero one of a second when everybody's going in different directions etc to know exactly what you're meant to do that's the idea of it that's why people do it so there's like there's not there's not a lot you can do but what you can do is defend um with a bit more um like desperation probably not the right word um because you still need to be composed but i mean like it, all you can do is fight to make sure that you're the first person to the ball all you can do is fight to make sure that if the ball drops you're getting rid of it and we we've got back into this like sunday league thing like you said before where as soon as the ball starts bobbling about or the ball gets knocked back out to either channel everybody stays still and I did notice a couple of times yesterday. Um, I'm really, really, really not impressed with Kanate's um, commanding of the back line. There was a few times, and we well, got punished for it twice, where he didn't take control. And then when he tells Trent to mark the wrong person, and then leaves the person that they one of them should have been marking, and it's stuff like that. Like that. I actually don't think just... he's a very vocal person still. No, no. He just wants to post anime so, pictures and and videos and just be like, "Listen, I'm doing my thing." I, that I, I, that that worries me though, man, because like it's in international football and things like that. Being a defender like Kanate, ten out of ten, sick. That's what you want. But like in the Premiership, communication and dealing with balls is like literally is the difference between <laughs> finishing. No, so, 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 so yeah. So, so, you know, on that point, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. are you not gonna go back and pause that? Point? No, 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 I never said it. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah, go on, Nick. Sorry, you know, when it came to the second goal, yeah, Wissa puts the ball in the net less, you know, twice in less than five minutes, okay, yeah, and then he goes and scores again in. Like the pattern is so clear. The crosses are yeah. coming in from the left hand side. And they just leave it. And it's causing problem after problem. It came from a corner, came from a cross, and then came from a cross again. And it's so frustrating. And we could see it. We would yeah. even the commentator could even the commentator was saying that Brentford looks dangerous at set pieces. It I was thinking, no, Liverpool are absolutely pathetic at defending from their own left-hand side here. Okay, we, you know, we're gonna, I know we're going to come on to Simicast because I, I, I don't think he played well at all. But I... if we can see it, if we can see it, how comes there's no one on the pitch trying to sort sort the shit out? Because how can you let Wissa score twice and then you let him score a third time? The, the similarity between the two disallowed goals and the one that stood was so glaringly obvious. Like... Yeah. That is schoolboy. That is absolute schoolboy. And you know what? Someone needs to take the brunt for that because that was really, really ticking me off. I was watching it and I was getting so pissed off watching that because it's just basic, absolute basic. Like, I, I, do you guys agree with me? Could you see exactly uh, what was happening there, that trend? I hear you. Do, but do you I know also what? think it's very hard for, not to make in-game changes, yeah. But what Brentford were doing, they varied their corners, in it? So the first corner they got was they surrounded Allison. So the first goal, they surround Allison, and Allison doesn't really deal well with that. I don't know what it is. We've seen, I think a goal at West Ham where it goes directly into the goal, 
You've seen him get bullied on those corners sometimes. And, and as amazing as a keeper he is, yeah. When it comes to corners and he's completely surrounded, we need to do more to protect him. I don't know what that may be or what that may look like. Maybe in terms of what Brentford were actually doing, where they have three centre-backs in space and everybody else is man-marking because you have the three centre-backs that are in space on the six-yard box and free to attack the ball. Um, but the second corner, so the one that is the first disallowed goal, I believe, no, second disallowed goal, they do the same. Third disallowed goal, they play it to Whistler at the back post and kind of like float it across and nobody goes out to him because I guess everybody's traumatised from the fact that they're surrounding Allison and they're swarming the box. So everybody sits off quite deep. And by the time it gets to whistle, nobody's closed them down. I, I, I'm um, sorry, Marco. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Marco. I, I, I cannot agree with you there. This Brentford got promoted last year. We're letting the same guy score. We're letting the same guy, Whistler, put the ball in the net three times in five minutes. Can you not even get touch tight and mark him? The same guy's putting the ball in the back of the net three times in five minutes this, and we can't even defend it. This is This is absolutely, absolutely pathetic. And if no one on the pitch could see that, then we need a leader on the pitch. Yeah, we this, do, but it's not Henderson. <laughs> this, this is what this is what I was getting at last night with the the Costas thing. Is not that he didn't play shit or anything like that, but I'm I'm looking at every single member of that defense and the keeper, and I'm thinking like you you literally you can't single someone out there. It's that bad. People are just not doing anything on like, set pieces no, no, wingers have got the ball and the centre-backs the centre-backs are just they don't then nobody is doing a thing so like it's, it's it, like uh, uh, actually to be fair I don't I feel a bit harsh throwing Trent into that mix like the, the others all, all three of the other back four Costas, Kanate, Van Dijk were making like bad mistakes not little mistakes like just not defending just refusing just giving the responsibility to someone else, telling people to mark the wrong person and then not mock, pushing up onto the guy you're meant to mark. Just, it was so bad as a unit, like the defending, it was so bad. Like, now, I, this is, I, it's unreal. Now, this is where I think the, especially for myself and a few people, a lot of people in the group chat actually, um, criticised Costas for yesterday, um, was the fact that one, I don't feel like um, th I feel like a lot of the attacks were going down him and Van Dyke's side, um, and he wasn't dealing with them the best. I feel like he was physically beaten, uh, physically beaten a few times, beaten for pace. Um, not just not just defending. No, you, bro, you're sugarcoating it, but he got punched up I'm every hosting, single time. I'm, I'm, every I'm, single attack. <laughs> Brother, I'm hosting, so I'm trying Sam, to be... They gripped him by his neck. They gripped him by his neck, by his collar, fam. Held him up against the wall. You know those, like... <laughs> you know... <laughs> you know those, like, videos, yeah, or, like, um, American high school dramas, yeah, where the bully grabs the person and pulls him up on the locker. That's what they were doing, fam. They were stuffing man in the locker, fam. Yeah, but do, do, you know what, do you know what I mean? How... But you, you've used that to describe Costas's game. But then you just stuck up for Van Dyke, and I, I don't, I, I don't know how no, you I can stuck do up that. For him. I stuck up for him in that that little bit there. So I said prior to the goal, I think him and Konate dealt with everything well, and then for the goal, yeah, I think he doesn't get beat physically. Where I criticize him is the fact that he's not prepared, and that in itself is bad, very, very bad. Why as a defender are you not prepared for someone's run and you're caught flat-footed? That in itself 
is very, very bad indictment on your play. Like, you should be ready for everything. After that, I think him and Costas, I don't know if, if it was communication, if it was um, not playing together for some time, but both of them allowed Brentford to run riot. And on the other side, Konate and Trent weren't communicating in the slightest because there was loads of times when Trent had two free men on him. There was one bit in the second half here where I think Trent had three men around him and manages to header it back to Allison. Why does Trent have three men around him? If you can see that that's that tactic and they're switching it to the other side, like a deep ball to the back post, why are you not communicating together? And not that I blame Trent less, but my centre-back is the one I want winning headers. Trent is not somebody I think is a beast in the air, so I'm not going to be telling Trent, like, win every header. I'm telling him to communicate. Kanate should come across and win every single header, especially with how good he is in the air. But I think overall, it was a shit show in terms of communication, in terms of the way they set up, in terms of the fact that they allowed Brentford to do that. It was quite obvious what Brentford were trying to do from the get-go. Yeah. And yeah, they defended well for like the first 15, 20 minutes. But after that, fuck, man. Yeah, I, I've got the same with Costas. And we'll get into it when, um, of course, we'll talk about the, the the second half changes. But even just, Marco mentioned the best, like he was getting grouped up, um, physically beaten, outpaced. Um, all of the uh, bad things you, you don't want to happen to your um, left back. But I also felt like his utilisation of the ball was quite poor. Um, I felt like, Every single um, cross that he made was just at someone's shins. I remember he had that shot um, in the first in the first half, um, which Raya did do decent in saving, but it kind of just set the tone for how his ball usage of the game would be. Um, so yeah, that kind of just brings us to the to this to the second half, and there were a few changes that were made. So the second half. Um, we were just talking about Shimikas and thank God. Um, th- and this is something that I'll give a rare um, bit of praise to Klopp for this in this game and for his management recently as well. Um, I feel like he's been a lot more proactive in his changes and in terms of being more flexible. So second half starts, um, Van Dijk, uh, Costas and Elliot get taken off. Thank God, because I feel like um, unless you're Yak, um, those, were the f- those were people that really... Um, we're having a bad first half. Um, Yak, what did you think of those subs? They had to. They had to happen. It had to be. Had to be more than one. Um, I think, even if I mean, <laughs> you look at our, you look at our bench, man. Um, like even, even if Costas had a really good half, even if he had a decent half, putting Robbo on for him is the best sub you can make out of all light of the subs day. we have. And it that's that's crazy. Now, even even bad. outside the performance, and that's bad. Like the 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 main sub we can make to change the game is oh, well, we we've got the best left back in the world on the bench. I don't know about any attackers or anything, but we've got a sick left back. Like it's that's it's it's worrying. Um but I'm glad that he done it at half time. Nab Nabby and Robertson, the only real subs you can make where they actually improve on the guy that they're coming on for. Um, so it gave us as much time as possible to at least try and get back into the game. If he'd have waited 
um, then Naby and Robertson aren't really like impact subs, if you know what I mean. So it had to be done then because there isn't an, an impact option at the moment for us until uh, Gakpo gets into the squad. So it had to happen. Um, I think uh, I think Robbo started the second half really well, um, but we we stopped using him in the right way really quickly and we keep doing that with Robertson and it's really frustrating. Um, but I do think um, Matip and Naby came on. And look, all three, they, all three of them, they looked they look so much better than the three they come on for, 100%. Oh, sorry, you mentioned that we don't use Robbo. Um, we started off using him in the way that we would like to, but then we we kind of uh, stopped it, um, going into the going into the later stage of the second half. Um, I actually wanted to ask about that because the commentators mentioned that Liverpool have been working um, on uh, with our fullbacks in different ways. So, for example, um, there'll, there'll be like a more attacking side of our of our, of our fullbacks, whereas Robbo on the left, who's the one that's um, going down the wing. Um, getting most of the assists, and it's kind of been evident of that this season um, and this year even, that he's kind of um, taken the onus to kind of um, create chances and build the attack. While Trent has kind of been more um, conservative in this approach and actually defended more. And it wasn't until, I feel like, the um, in and around where Ox got his goal, where Trent was getting on the ball more. Do you see that happening where, you know, where we're simultaneously not using both of our, our fullbacks as we are used to? Or, or am I just waffling? No, I know. I have noticed it a little bit this season. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why. I don't really understand the how. But it does feel like before it was like a two punch. It was a one-two. It was a jab and a cross. So it was a hook and an uppercut. It was like one side. It was just constantly flitting between the two. Um, and it made teams so unsettled. Maybe Sadio was a bigger part of that than we realise, I don't know. But yeah, it does feel like the team can only allow one to be firing at the moment. And especially when we're playing against a team in a low block, they've both got such amazing qualities that can unlock it. Trent with the ball at his feet, Robbo getting into the box, across the byline and, and passing across the goal. That's a big assist spot for him. Um, and we don't get him into that spot near enough, I don't think, anymore no, anyway. No, you're definitely right. Um, so, we scored. Uh, I don't know if we want to touch too much on this goal, um, but it was a great cross from Ox. Trent. Ox got a goal um, for the first time in nearly in nearly a year. Um, he nearly reached that 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 stage, but he didn't. Um, any thoughts on the goal at all? Before I've, 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 I will not necessarily on the goal. Obviously, the ball was sticking out, but I will say um, I think Ox deserved it because he was one of the guys out there that you could tell didn't want to leave without three points. Um, mm. So I think he deserved the goal above pretty much anyone else. So, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give a crazy shout right now. And I don't know if you guys will agree, but since we've come back, I know it's only been three games, but since we've I come don't... back from the World Cup, Ox has been our best player. Yep. Yep. I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing when I was watching the game. A hundred percent. I was Yeah, when you that. actually deep it, yes. It's not a good thing. Salah missed the whole World Cup. What was he doing? He hasn't done anything since he's come back, Salah. He didn't do eating, anything again. Eating roast dinners. Eating Chilling out. Like, Christmas like, tree like Salah. Um, I think Marco touched on it, though. Like, OK, Nunes had missed that chance. Um, well, no, he did score, but it was offside. It was good to see that... I mean, 
as a team immediately addressed it because a goal came mm. so soon after that, which was good because we didn't, you know, from Nunez's point of view, we didn't say, oh, you know, if he scored, that could have changed the game. No, we scored straight away, which was good. But again, we didn't capitalise on it. We didn't have a clear, clear cut chance after that, which is, again, so frustrating. Um, the goal was good. Trent, you know, you know, showed his quality, you know, left peg. Ox comes in, tucks the ball away. But I just didn't see us capitalise on that, which is, again, really frustrating. And you know what it is, Julian? I keep, for some reason, every time I think and talk about Liverpool now, my mind keeps going back to when we were the best team in the world. And there was a point yesterday when we were losing to Brentford and I was like, you know what? I used to think as a Liverpool fan, whenever we were down or we were losing, Oh, yeah. I knew that come the final result, we ain't going to be losing. We're going to be winning. Do but you know, do you know the, what's crazy, Alec? Yeah, I still feel that way, and and <laughs> and yeah. no, I'm, I'm not gonna. Lie. I have no yeah, reason yeah. to. I have no nah. reason to. I'm gonna come and wax and say I have no reason to feel this way, but I still feel like every time I watch Liverpool, surely we're not going to lose this game. No, I, I I I think yesterday was 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 the moment for me. I think when we we're two 0 down, I think it just went out for a throw or something. I was like, you know what? I used to have such faith in this team. Like I just go back to like November twenty nineteen when when we beat Aston Villa like with five minutes to mm-hmm. go, and I just think like I just can't see this team doing that anymore. No, it's um, it's just no. so sad. I just can't see us doing it anymore. And even when we did get back into the game, I thought the best we can get here. Is probably a draw, but I just can't see us winning it, and that's the harsh reality now. Yeah, it's it's very harsh. Um, and after the goal, I, I must say we didn't really do too much that would convince us that we were going to get the three points, as you mentioned. Um, so we move on to the final, the final nail in the coffin. Um, and just just going to talk about the lead up to the goal. Um, you know, a bit a passage of play, passing around a bit. I'm not sure who lost the ball um, for them to kind of counter attack on us. It was, it was Nabi. Nabi. Was it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Just was it just on the edge of their box where he was trying to do the the, the, the those kind of cute little. No, I think it was them? he was trying to dribble like in the middle third. All right, yeah, cool. he's, he's doing yeah. the Harry Maguire. Ah, yes, the the famous yeah, ah, yeah. And the then Harry Maguire. Yeah, they got the ball. Um, Kanate, and then Kanate got the ball. Um, he was. Seemingly going back towards Allison, um, trying to get himself comfortable, and Embroma makes a bit of contact, which kind of throws him off. He falls to his knees like little duck, and and it literally Mbouma... was like that though as well. Like the way he fell to the ground was exactly the same. Um, he fell to the ground um, when the law came, and that was Embroma. Nice finish. Um, I'm gonna come to you, Marco. Foul or not? I can't say because my Liverpool bias is strong in this aspect. Mm, but mm. I thought it was a foul in it. Um, so there was a similar instance with Haaland and I can't remember who. Was that against Nottingham Forest, maybe? Where he barges someone out the way and I think that was a foul. Um, an initial viewing, I thought he barged him in the back. But... It wasn't more, it wasn't a barge, it was more of a little nudge. And it can be given as a foul. foul. So, so it can be given as a foul. And it may not be given as a foul. It could go either way. I'm not going to criticise the ref for that. I don't think 
it's a clear and obvious error. Um, it just is what it is. Like Konate should deal with it. He doesn't. We have to hold that. It's, it's it's one of those where if we score that goal, and we're going to turn around and say that it's not a foul, if we concede it, you know we are going to say it's a foul. So it's it's just one of those at the end of the day. I, I to be honest with you, I I don't think I've ever seen Konate get get bullied like that, especially playing for Liverpool. So I was quite surprised that it happened. But yeah, same same. Um, yeah, cause, cause yeah, that that was the biggest uh, that was the biggest. Thing about that goalkeeper, see that about it was who actually um, kind of gave the ball away, and you wouldn't expect that of Kanate. And physically, he's more than impervious. I don't think I've seen him be physically um, outdone in his time at Liverpool. Um, of note, I would say that leads to a goal like it did. Um, so it was quite surprising to see him go down like that. And yeah, do you, do you know what? How <clears throat> that that what made me feel like it was a foul because mm. he in his mind he's thinking like this contact is so obviously in the middle of my back I've got to go down and get the free kick I don't I, th- I think if the, if it was a question in his mind whether that was a foul or not he had the challenge for the ball um so that's that's what that's what tipped me towards this a foul and I did think about the Everton penalty when Matip blew on <laughs> I nearly done another one then um <laughs> when um, he uh, was it was it Calvert Lewin that he that he was it was was it was it not Lovren because I remember being yes. very angry at Lovren no, it was, yeah and he strokes <laughs> his back and they get a penalty in the last few minutes so I, yeah. I sort of think of that and I think if if that's a penalty then there's there's no question hey, yeah. that the Canate What's one's a foul. Tonight? I heard strokes. I know, man. <laughs> feeling a bit, you know. Yak has gone to the dark that. side, man. He's 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 just, you know what? The 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 yak that you guys are hearing on the podcast is way too neutral um, to the yak that we see in the group chat and that we know and love. So wait, the Anik you shocked. you lot here yeah, is very different from the Anik that's in. What the do group you mean? Chat. I'm the same. Like, I'm the same. Everyone, everyone has their alter egos. I'm the Justice League. League. What's this? Like, everyone's putting on the alter egos tonight. I'm, I'm not understanding. I'm me. I'm me. Yes. I'm me. Trust me. What would I'm you want me. to say? Clop out? I'll say it. Clop out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that what you want to say? You made me do it. You made me do it. Anik, Anik, let it cook. We'll get to that. There's a structure to these episodes, you know? Like, I, I, I just don't make a, an agenda for no reason. So there's a structure to these things. Anik, we'll let you cook. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. But um, on that Muermo goal, yeah, um, I, I, I think you can go. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a coward and just say I think we can go either way um, with the goal. Um, I, with, sorry, with the foul or not, I, I feel like you can give it. Given uh, you can give it um, because it was a slight contact in the back um you know and, and in motion there was contact there um which kind of threw him off but then I'm also with like well it, well I feel like with what Yak said as well Konate kind of went down knowing kind of expecting the foul which kind of which kind of gives referee an, an ego um so yeah um so that's the end of the game, and I don't think we was any better than that. Um, <laughs> now, this is the part where we can kind of dig into the aftermath, and not even the aftermath, kind of what has kind of brewed up to 
to such a what feels like a bitter night after a bitter loss. Um, Klopp's comments um, before and after the game um, had people in a frenzy. So I just want to give you some of his comments after the game. Um, and you can, you guys can tell me if this is sour grapes, if it's trolling, or if, it, or if, or, or if he's spitting. Um, so I'm going to read you a few quotes. Um, one of those quotes were, Brentford could dictate the game because of how it got whistled. Another one was, they stretched the rules. That's why it's really difficult. The VAR hides behind the phrase, not clear and obvious. The referee needs to explain that. I think he's referring to um, the Canate, the Canate um, quote-unquote foul um, for the third goal. Um, again, he's referring to the third goal. The third goal should not be a goal. Easy as that. Try talking to them. Try trying to talk to the officials about about it is like trying to talk to a microwave. Can't believe you said that. Um. So, what are your thoughts on Klopp's view on the game, and do you share the same sentiments? I I wouldn't. I'd never say that because I'd have some sort of shame to to, to come out there and say that after that performance. But I also could not say that he's wrong, and I think that that it. I, I, will, I haven't complained about it because I've accepted that we made our own bed and laid in it. First goal is a handball. The third goal is a push. That it, it is. It is that 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 did happen. But I don't think that should be the first thing you come out and say after a loss. Not at all. But I, and I and I do think also he's right to bring up again wrong time. Um, but this clear and obvious thing that VAR and the commentators hide behind is shameless. It's, it's shameless. Like you, you can't just be like, yeah, we, we can clearly see that that is a foul, but it's not clear and obvious, so we can't give it. Like that that, that irritates me. You know what Klopp does? He tends to be the person that says these things, yeah? But he says them at all the wrong time. So remember he had this whole rant about um, players essentially playing too many games. And you, well, people not looking after the players' health. And then everybody comes out like a year later and says, Yeah, 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 the players are playing too many games. This mid season World Cup is going to be extremely damaging. Loads of people are going to get injured. But Crop has already said it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like Crop is a victim of someone who, who kind of, people kind of treat him as the boy who cried wolf, where, and even as much as I disagree with his comments um, about the Brent after the Brentford game, he's someone who points out a lot of things and is quite consistent with what he points out. But people only tend to listen when we lose or when things go wrong. So he, uh, I think Marco mentioned the fact that about player welfare and about player about you know how, play, how our players should be playing these many games. Believe it or not, Klopp has been was talking about that since the very first month he got here. He was like, yeah. everyone was telling him, bro, like, this is the Premier League, like, this is how it is. Like, he was speaking about these things, and it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until um, Klopp, um, oh, sorry, until we had big injuries and our season started falling apart, people felt like Klopp was complaining. Um, that's just a bit on, on the Klopp complaining, but um, I'll let Marco finish off on um, his point about Klopp and, you know, him always being consistent with what he says. Um, yeah, I just think he says a lot of these things at, the wrong time. He says them very early as well. A lot of yeah. people have a misconception of Klopp and who he is. Um, I remember German Dan, maybe he said it on pod, but maybe it was in a group chat, but he said 
knowing Klopp, Klopp is a very like pragmatic German, and a lot of people take him as like this little happy-go-lucky person. He's always smiling. He's always like laughing and joking around. But Klopp is cynical, you know. Like he, mm. he's not the happy-go-lucky pe- person that people think he is. Like he doesn't really play around when it comes to certain things. But a lot of people have the wrong view of him. Um, in terms of what he said, I don't agree with what he said, to be honest. I think, yeah, Brentford did play on the edge of the law, I guess. But you're allowed to do that in football. Arsenal had just seen that with Newcastle. We saw that with Newcastle ourselves, where the ball was in play for like 48 minutes in that match or something like that. And they took every opportunity to time waste or take fouls or like be cynical and then we end up getting last minute winner um it's just one of those things that football teams are going to do they're going to set up to play the way that suits them in the best way possible um so yeah i get him complaining but for me the first thing isn't to complain and it take accountability for the fact that we lost and it was a bad loss um say you got it wrong, you could have done things better, you could have started Kato, for example. It's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that is honestly the sentiments that we have. Um, it is what it is. Um, is a, is something that we've kind of been resided to to feeling um over the last, especially over the last couple of weeks. Um so I think that 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 does it for the Brentford game. I think we can move on to some listeners' questions. We got some. We actually got some great questions um, this this week. Um, yeah. So um, going, you know what? I want I want to take it back a bit because um, there were some comments even before the game. Um, I think it was uh, we woke up to Klopp kind of not being happy about being asked about his transfer business. Um, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, "We've just signed um, Cody Gakpo." Um, he's not sure why people are always asking about who's next and who's going to come in next. Um, and it's kind of put a lot in a lot of fans' head um, the feeling that we won't be um, approaching them, um, approaching um, a team for a midfielder anytime soon. Um, I don't know if it's just a mirage or a smoke screen or as as Marco likes to say, read between the lines. Um, no, I just don't take it as that. He said, yeah, his specific words were, "You lot are well." Let me paraphrase in it. You lot were. <laughs> How can I say specific words? They say let no, me. No, specific words. Specific. He didn't say that, but let me just paraphrase what man yeah. said in it. It's just long, man. He says a lot of shit, <laughs> but he basically said, "Yeah, um, you lot should be happy about Gakpo. The next question shouldn't be who's next, but if somebody's available at the right place, we'll do it." To me, that doesn't mean we're not going to sign anyone. That means they're looking at options. And they're trying to be very pragmatic. He has, in the middle of what he said, yeah, he has a little complaint about money and says, this isn't Monopoly. It's like we don't have a team. Um, we can't just spend, splash the cash because the money's there. Like, this is the real world. Really- so essentially, he's saying that there's financial constraints, but we do want to get someone in if it's the right player. But because of financial constraints, we have to make sure it's the right price. So that's why I have my sentiment around that anyway thank you for expertly paraphrasing um i couldn't have put it any better myself <laughs> um so that leads us to the question um speaking of the window about um the fears that we won't sign anyone so this is from mark 
sorry, sorry if I can't pronounce your name. Gillespie, so, Gillespie, 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 yes, the big man himself. Um, loyal um cop and listener. Sure, he's a patron. Love to answer your answer your question, sir. Um, his question was: If we don't sign anyone this window, do you see a way of us changing our fortunes for the rest of the season? I think most fa- most fans agree with without a signing, top four is extremely unlikely. But is there a, is there some something we could internally do to help us push for that target? A hundred percent. I've got I've got an answer for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 there's a couple of different factors here, and like bear with me because it will sound like I'm ignoring some problems, but I'm not. It's just you, you'll understand what I mean. So if if Nunes and Salah go back to their mean conversion rate, yeah, and I'll go back to the the stat I said earlier on that Nunes is shooting more than ever but also has his worst shot-to-goal ratio in his career. Salah also currently on pace to record his worst shots-to-goal season in his career. So if they just revert back to their average conversion rate, we will win most of last night's type of games or the Brentford type of games. Therefore, we'll get top four. Does that mean everything else is fine? Nah. But get some function in that midfield, i.e. no matter how we feel about him, play Naby over Harvey, then we'll win these games, or some of those games, sorry. We're not going to say we're going to go unbeaten for 15 or anything like that, but we will win most of these games, yeah, no matter the defensive performances. The defensive performances are the hardest thing to sort out on the fly, in my opinion. So I don't think we should... We want it to change, but we should not expect it to. And I think the, the the way out that the coaching staff will seek is maybe if we just bury our chances, we can get enough points to to recoup, get a top four position and sort out our defensive problems. Right now we're chasing it. If we switch defensive, that might scupper our chances if both of our forwards are high volume scorers. Um, and to piggyback on the comments you were just talking about with Klopp, I, I get what he was saying because look, We've just signed one of the hottest properties in Europe, yeah, who's got 12 goals and 15 assists for his club this season. We're not even halfway through it. Yeah, since the start of the 21-22 season, he's played 3,027 minutes. That's just under 34 full 90s, yeah. So 34 games, 21 goals, 24 assists. Like we're going to outscore most of the teams we play for the rest of the season. We we are. That that's that is what we can do. And I think we can do that more than every other team in the league, bar Arsenal and City. And therefore, we will finish in the top four without signing any midfielders. And uh, listeners, if if, you, if I haven't mentioned before, um, Yak is our residential scouter and he put an excellent scouting report. So when I'm telling you he's speaking with conviction um, about um, Cody Gakpo, he's well within his right because he's done his research and... Hey man, if Yak is saying that he's gonna bang, I believe him because Yak is the only one that I believe actually watches the football that he says he watches around Europe. So, hey man, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a pro- proper nerd, <laughs> proper nerd. This guy will be coming in the chat at five five o'clock in the morning telling us about God knows who from League Two <laughs> in France. So, I believe him. I, I've got to believe him. I appreciate uh, Marco, it. what do you think? Um, in terms of tangible things that we can do to improve our team at the moment and make top four, I would say starting with revert back to 4 4 um, That's yeah. what has paid dividends for us. Um, I would say, and this is going to make me so sick 
But I was thinking about it earlier, innit? If we are to make top four, our fringe players are going to play a big part in that. I'm talking about the Ox, I'm talking about mm-hmm. Katar, and I'm talking about Jones. Those three are going to have to contribute and take us up a level when we're dropping down. And maybe, 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 ugh, I don't even want to say his name, but maybe even Arthur Mello, that like he might have to contribute yeah. up to the level. Like, <laughs> anyway, moving on from that, yeah. <laughs> After the 4-4-2 and our French players contributed, what Biak was saying about XG and underperforming, it will eventually balance out. Like, yeah. Um, eventually, Salah will be able to put away his goals. Um, Nunes should be able to put away a few. And yeah, I probably will get that twenty, sorry, that hundred pound of Olo, and the other fifty pound of Toby and Toppe for tops. What is what? What are these bets? What are these bets? So, um, twenty pounds, so hundred pound for Nunes to score twenty goals across all comps this season. He's currently on yeah. nine. That's yours. Um, and then Nunes to outscore Son. Nunes is currently on five. Son is currently on three. Yeah, you, you, you. You've you've just won some money. Yeah, hopefully, just, hopefully. I, I think those bets are all right. Um, yeah, they're going to pay for a little night out for me still. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but just but so it's just 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 on the top four question because, um, we've seen that the top four, um, it looks like it's going to be Man City, um, Arsenal, certified top two, um, Newcastle, who are I can't lie, they hang with the big boys really really well. Um, they've of course they lost to us, and I think that's the that's the last time they lost in the league. Um, and th- after that, it's a bit of a toss up, you know. There's us, um, there's United, there's Tottenham and Chelsea. Who I'm to be honest, Tottenham and Chelsea, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for them anytime soon. They don't look that good. Um, but do you guys think we have enough in this team? I know it sounds crazy to say this. To finish on top on top of Newcastle and United, yes, because we have. To me, this is still a depleted team. We're missing, and also my and also also my add. Um, Newcastle have no European football as well. Yeah, I still think it's good enough. Um, we are still a depleted team, in my opinion. We're missing Nunes, so Diaz and Yota, who I think are two of our better performers in. The final third, um, and I think there's still levels that we can go. We haven't been playing well. I remember saying this in the season before last. What was that? Nineteen? No, twenty twenty one. And I kept saying, was that twenty twenty one? And whatever season that was, I kept saying we're going to make top four. We're going to make top four, even after we lost to Fulham, because as bad as we were playing, Liverpool still had levels to go in terms of we weren't playing anywhere close to what we could be playing like. I feel like that's the case this season. I think yeah. the issues are a bit more damning because it is midfield issues. But if we are to go and address that in the January transfer, I think that changes. If we are to bring in players that are a bit different. So, for example, instead of playing Fabinho when he's cooked and he's been playing three games per week back-to-back, playing the Bajetic, who seems a bit more energetic, Playing maybe Katar over Thiago if he's being overused, maybe Henderson over Elliot when they're being overused, just rotating the right players at the right times. Mm. Yeah, we could possibly go up a few levels. And then with five subs, it should be relatively easy to manage people's minutes. And I don't know why Klopp doesn't do that more often. 
No, you're, um, I, I agree. Um, so we're going to move on to the next question now. And this is from Strictly Eye Test 4, um, also known as Thiago's Hammy. Um, what do you think? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite, I can't lie, every time he interacts with the account, um, I'm like, yeah, we've got, we've got, we've got something here. Um, <laughs> what do you think, uh, about the transfer, transfer strategy in terms of the personnel? Um, it seems since Klopp has had more power, less of a committee approach with numbers behind our signings, um, our signings haven't been ideal for the glaring needs of the squad. Just an observation. Um, yeah, I'm going to come to you for this because you're more versed in the scouting um, in the scouting game and how Liverpool actually probably most likely operate in these transfer windows. Do you feel like we've deviated from the numbers approach? Um, because I can't lie. Look at this question. I'm trying to think of someone who we've signed without the underlying numbers or who didn't fit the profile, um, especially our big signings. And the only one I could probably think of is Thiago. Um, what yeah. about you? Yeah, to, to, to before like now, Tiago is the the one that comes to mind, and I think um, I don't think we've really like seen the effects of it changing, but it definitely is changing. Um, and I think what the the difference is is with Pep Linders and Jurgen having more control of the transfers, it is going to be more go. Uh, Cody Gakpo, Cody Gakpo and Thiago type signings where they identify a player and say, yeah, we just just bring him. We like him. We'll, we'll figure out how to get him into the team. I can, I've, I've got an idea for him. The transfer staff are a lot more dictated to by the market. Um, we have a pool of players they've obviously found using analytical models, science, all that clever shit. Um, and they then look at that pool of players and then the market decides who we get out of that pool of players. Um, so in business terms, it's, I feel a lot more safer with a, uh, a a set transfer staff, if you know what I mean. Obviously, we're not going to not have transfer staff if, if Linders and Klopp have got more influence, but you, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'd, I, that worries me, um, the business side of it, if we're just sort of going out and saying, yeah, I like him, I like him, I like him, and then going, oh, wait, we didn't save any money for the midfield and stuff like that. Like that that's going to really get under our skin in the next few years, I think, um, if it goes down that route. But it also does mean that the coaches know the team better than everybody else. Mm. And, it, and it means that the players that they identify, we will get in very quickly rather than waiting and then taking someone else and, and and things like this. The thing is, though, and I think Fahi mentioned this before, sorry if it was someone else, I'm pretty sure it was Fahi said that when we were more like that with the coaches choosing, we got it wrong a lot more often. Um, so I'm really 50-50 because like, it means that we get, I love Gakpo, we signed Gakpo, so yeah, this way it, it's working for me. But it's, it's, we're not going to be the only team and the only manager in the whole world where it works for us with the coaches. Yeah, like every other team has gone down the route that we were down because it works and I'm a little bit scared of us being um, too cocksure and and ending up like a Chelsea. I I, I definitely feel like um, with what you just mentioned, um, teams have got smarter while we've stayed stagnant and I wouldn't even say we've got worse in our approach. I just feel like 
for example, a Wolves and that. Well, to be fair, Wolves have always got um, gems in Portugal, so they're 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 kind of the wrong um, example. But teams like Arsenal, even United, um, mm-hmm. who are a bit more gung ho with their money, um, have been a bit more reserved, have been a bit more purposeful with what they're buying. Um, they they've done their scouting on players that they want to buy and how they fit their vision, um, and they seem to be reaping the rewards of that. Um, and I don't, I feel like Liverpool's kind of stay stagnant and in some ways arrogant in their approach to transfers, which is kind of, it's kind of bared fruit this season. And Marco, I want to ask you as, ask you the same question as well. But I also want to add this um, this this other question that was um, sent to us by Simeon Jarrett, which kind of relates to the same thing. Um, as well as the question I was just asked, what are your thoughts on Linders having too much influence on the signings? Um, so I don't know too much about Linders, if I'm completely honest. Like, Obviously, I know him. I know his philosophies. I know what he does. Did you read his book? Um, no, I haven't read his book. So, Are you like, going to read his book? No. Like, why am I going to read his book? The fuck is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> know, man. Intensity in a season where we don't have any intensity. <laughs> man. But, yeah, like, from what I know of him, yeah, I have understood that he's a very smart person and I like his philosophy. This would be that the perfect question to ask someone like Farouk who doesn't like him and has reasons mm. for disliking him or someone else in the chat, for example. So I wouldn't say I'm the best person to answer this, but in terms of him having a say on transfers and the people that he identifies, going back to what Yak was saying, I think it makes sense that the coach that's going to use players here yeah, will essentially dictate who he wants to use which mm. is cool. And hopefully that avoids the issue that me and you have been going back and forth on Julian about Klopp wanting steak and they're feeding him bin juice. Like in terms of him wanting many and them offering him like low tier alternatives. So him being able to dictate who he wants and say, this is exactly the player I won't go for it. And then this is the alternative I won't go for it should alleviate some of those problems there. In terms of Pep Linders and Klopp's, uh, I guess, talent identification, I think it's quite okay. I think Klopp's talent identification at Dortmund was good. So far at Liverpool, it's been decent. There's been a few misses, but... Not many, not many. Yeah, not many, not many not misses many at all. So maybe the most high-profile one is Naby Keita, and we're talking about Naby Keita as possibly being our fourth best midfielder at this moment in time. Maybe even our third best midfielder. So, and what's, cra- and what's crazy is he's a miss based on his availability, not actual ability. Ability, so, yeah. So, I think yeah. I think Ox falls into that as well, to be honest. Even Ox, but, yeah. I, I can't, I can't lie. Yeah, Ox, Ox, he's Ox, not Ox. amazing, but yeah, he he yeah, fits hundred percent. He fits. I would say when he, when Ox came to us, um, initially for what we needed, he was the signing we needed, and we saw it, and um, when he first came, so I'm not even mad at the Ox that we first got. It's the one after. Um, the, that and as you mentioned, yeah, he falls into that category as well, where he's not a bad footballer at all, and we don't think he's actually. To be fair, let's not lie, we've cooked him on multiple occasions um, yeah. for his footballing ability, but he he it's mostly come from frustrations of him not even being around to even get a good run of games. So, yeah, man, like as as Marco mentioned, there's not been a lot of misses. Klopp has done fairly well. Um, yeah, if, if if that's your worst signings is oh no, actually they're quite good when they play, but they're injured a lot. Then you've done all right. 
Yeah, yeah, you, you must be doing something right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is with this Pep Linder stuff is that um, I know I'm hosting and I'm supposed to have this aura of um, you know I'm supposed to know what's going on, but when, regarding Pep Linders, I don't really know what goes on. Um, I just know that yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of him like speaking as much as he does now because it seems so like shit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 like it seems like you know what he is. Yeah, he's ah. Uh, remember Lovren? Yeah, <laughs> before <laughs> every big game, he would waffle. Then we'll lose. It's like brother. That's exactly it. Oh, and, do, and do, do you know? Do you know what it is? It's Pep Linders is me. Before every game, he's like, "Oh, this this player, he's like a new signing, man." He's like, you know I mean? uh, like "Oh, this guy is so good. This guy is so so good, man." And then yeah, and then we lose. And 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 I love Yak, and I love his optimism. But I'll be honest, if I was sometimes, if I was, yeah, it, uh, sometimes. But if I was, if you used to get interviewed regarding my club and you was in a position of power, I might lose my mind. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it will be the same with me. So Pep Linders, I, I have no personal beef against him. I personally find it funny that he's getting cooked and he's releasing books. Do, do you know what? I, I do. I do think, like, I, I don't think. Well, we've all just admitted we're not quite sure if there's actually any real evidence or any yeah. um, structure to what Pep Linders has supposedly wrestled control of from everyone else yeah. at the club. So like, I, I get I, like, I get why people are annoyed at him. I get why like Farouk don't like him and things like that. I get why you don't like him when he chats before the League Cup games and stuff. That's, that's, that's personal opinion on him. But with the transfer stuff, I don't think anyone actually... I don't think anyone does know what's going on. And I think that's what's making people so angry at like what the journals are coming out with because you sort of think that you're looking at it and you just think you just made that up you you got really, told something yeah, completely di- yeah yeah i believe it's that. so disconnected it's something that they were told months ago and they've gone if i add it to this it equals this and that sounds like a bit of and, a sound and, bite and, and that's it and this is why and sorry to insult but this is why i have a big problems with um with liverpool journals um, mm-hmm. regarding regarding what they write. I feel like what they write isn't necessarily what you would call false or fake news, but I believe the way they word things that they've been told, which is minimal, um, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because I, I feel like none, like at this very moment, Liverpool are not giving up exclusives to jur- journalists like that. No That's way. why, no for way. example, when, when, when Gakpo, when Gakpo um, gets announced or when a player gets announced, we would know like an hour, a couple of hours before by one journal, and then it gets announced by the club officially. And that's a, and that's been the same with um, the ownership talks as well. I feel like there's been a lot of hearsay. She, uh, he says, mm-hmm. she said, this is happening, this is happening, but no concrete information. And yeah. when they latched on to the fact that Linders has had some sort of influence, or maybe they found out that, oh, maybe Linders gives um, um, Klopp some pointers on who he should sign and or who he, who he shouldn't sign. They will build a whole article around that, which kind of fuels a certain message and in some ways kind of deflects the blame away from certain figureheads at the club, including Klopp, um, which I don't like, if I'm honest. I, I personally feel like um, these Liverpool journalists know how to play on emotions. And I feel like if you ask me, um, that they've kind of tried to push a lot, a lot of the blame onto Linders now, um, especially around this transfer window. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Um, yeah, I think yeah, go I on, feel go the on. same. Yeah, but there was one, and this is one article that I was talking to you about. I can't remember exactly what article it was, um, and hopefully I'll be able to find it so I'll compost on the Cop End account later tomorrow. But 
there was a segment in the article that said that there's been a lot of arguments about transfers between Jurgen Klopp, Michael Edwards and Julian Ward. Mm. It doesn't say what the arguments are about, but it's basically said they've been at loggerheads and somebody's had to come and mediate every single time they've had a conversation, which is kind of why they've left. But because we don't know enough detail, we're not sure if that means the arguments have stopped us from signing players or the arguments have been, Klopp, these players are really good for you and Klopp saying no. I'm deciding if it's more likely the second option because of the players that we know that we've scouted and know that we've targeted in terms of like Sukic, Paqueta, Nunez, so on and so forth. Maybe Paqueta wasn't a a Liverpool target, but that might have been like a muted fan target. But I know 100% Sukic and Nunez were. Um, Maybe it was just one of those things where Klopp is constantly arguing that he wants steak (laughs) and they're offering him something that isn't steak to him. They're offering him tofu and he doesn't want fake meat. <laughs> yeah, I can I can uh, I can imagine the conversation around players like um say like Sutic, Matias Nunes, etc. etc. I'm sure there was a couple of others we were linked with as well in the sign that's gone so over my head. But as much as like I like them players, I know a few of us like the like the look of Sutic, we all sort of like Matias Nunes, but I can sort of imagine and again imagine the conversation going Klopp sort of saying, is this guy a 100%. Can you promise me that this geezer is better than uh, Milner, Henderson and Naby? And if they say no, he's saying, why the fuck are we spending 40 million on him then? That I, I, can, I can see the conversations going like that. I don't know who I agree with more because like, we, we should have just signed someone, but I do understand Klopp's thing where it's like, well, no, you get paid to come up with players to improve the team. And you're just coming up to me with slightly younger versions of the players I've got. <laughs> and that's our budget. God, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't see it from both sides. That definitely goes into like the larger transfer conversation we've been having for some time. Like, And I personally think, not some of these men don't move the needle, but Klopp has wanted a needle mover for ages. Like He yeah. targeted Shua many who should have essentially been our Fabinho successor. And the PMP that Chiumeni would bring, the calmness on the ball that he would bring, the fact that he's been trying to integrate more ball players into the midfield and after Carragher's comments about a more technical midfield, it's been filtered through to the media, like what he's been trying to do. He's trying to bring in more of a control-based as opposed to aggressively, physically dominant. But in Chiumeni, I think he gets both. He's been looking yeah. for those unicorns in the fact that Bellingham, I don't think, is overly technical. But physically, Bellingham's an absolute beast. Gets around mm-hmm. the pitch, very physical, very combative, very aggressive in the tackle. He covers a lot of ground, so on and so forth. So I think he's been trying to like find the right blend of technical ability and um, physical ability. And nobody quite does it for him. Maybe the fact that he's got a lot more oversight, him and Pep Linders anyway, have a lot more oversight, would mean that they get those players that they want. And then if they fail, they fail. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to having players offered to them that they're not 100% set on and they're failing with those players, then you can blame the players or blame the transfer committee. But here it's just strictly on them. Mm. That's fair. Um, 
we've got one more question um, before we round things off. Um, and this is from uh, UNX underscore 20. Um, and she asked, thoughts on the team from a coaching staff perspective? Do you agree the team is currently poorly coached? Um, if yes, should the club consider bringing in different coaching ideas um, in um, in uh, in quotation marks, new coach slash staff? What can slash should be done to improve given the reluctance to bring in new players? That's a lot of questions, but yeah. <laughs> try to try to break it down. So hey, first and foremost, yeah. The get Nunes a shoot get Nunes a shooting coach, like a personal mm. shooting coach, like somebody that's gonna sit him down and say, This is how you strike a ball. That's the first thing. Secondly, what's Cavani yeah. doing? What's Cavani doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's you know what's so upsetting, yeah. A lot of these like clubs have used previous players to come in and do exactly that. Like, mm -hmm. I know Lukaku has had, like, coaching sessions with Thierry Henry. It ain't Henry. worked. I'll tell you that for sure, bruv. He strikes the ball better than Nunes, bro. <laughs> Ooh, uh, it, I, actually, didn't we, um, didn't we, haven't we done that with, um, what's his name? He's a, he's a fucking Brazil legend as well. So Claudio Tafaro. We brought, we um, brought him as a goalkeeper coach. coach though. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But he's specifically focused on, we've, and we've, that works well. Like, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. Funny enough, we have a goalkeeping legend behind him. Like, mm. it doesn't really make it does. It's not really that far fetched. You don't need to connect bare dots to understand that we had a guy with a lot of potential. We put him under the right tutelage, and it just works. So mm. why can't you do the same for like a Nunes? Why can't you do the same for Trent defensively? Like, why can't you bring in somebody that's gonna let him understand certain positioning? Because I feel like Trent has potential to be a decent defender. Where I get on Trent here is he doesn't look like he tries enough for me. Mm -hmm. Like he... Sorry, I'm a bit stuffy at the moment. But he doesn't look like he tries for me. I think he is able to defend and with sword. We saw that in the Brentford game. There was a couple of challenges. We saw that in the Leicester game. There was a couple of challenges where he dominates his opposite number. Cool, he can do it. But there's a lack of intensity sometimes. Sometimes his position is so off that he has to do way too much work to get back into it. And I understand if you don't want to do that as an attacking fullback, being an attacking fullback myself. Um, yeah, like there's specific people that I feel like can be coached in the right way to maximise what they offer to Liverpool Football Club. And I don't know why we don't utilise that a bit more. Yeah, because I, I think... Um... The problem with adding like general coaches to our staff is that our staff is very um they're very close. Like they're they're like essentially the family friends. Do you know what I mean? They eat, sleep, do big events together, etc. etc. Like they're a very tight knit group. So it's it's hard to like break into that unless you have a previous relationship with at least a couple of them. But like in terms of specialist coaches and stuff like that, that do that doesn't really apply because they're coming in to do like a specific job. They're not coming in to sort of say like, oh no, the way you view football is wrong. You got to do it like this sort of thing. And so it's it's it is quite hard to like add to your coaching staff full time wise. Um, but I do, I do get the the sense that. It's been a very long time since Buvac left, and I think that's the is that that's got to be the last time there's really been any major additions. People have like shuffled about a bit. Like Vitor Matos is is more of a coach, not just um, 
like player personal development and things like that um but i i just i get i get it and if i was like on football manager etc cetera, etc cetera, or if i was playing a game where i could go back on it or the relationships weren't such a huge like factor i'd 100% throw a new coach in there um perhaps one that they've worked with perhaps an ex-player that they coached when they were a little bit younger who's got some new ideas some things like that but you can't do that stuff halfway through a season when you're a club as big as ours and this is what I mean with like the defensive thing is like when you're when you're a crap team you can just sort of shut the doors 10 men behind the ball that's how we play now let's just go for nil nils and stuff but like we you you just can't we're not in that position to do that unfortunately Mm -hmm. and so like changing how we play halfway through the season is just it's not it's not really a viable option it has to be something that that set of staff has spoken about before that they're familiar with that they thought yeah we thought that before and we didn't think it would work before we'll try it it can't be like this whole new fresh idea and to go back to something Marco said right at the start I think that's what shocked me so much with going back to like a very clear 4-3-3 is that you sort of think like it was working. You don't know. You don't need to change that bit. Like it was working and you changed it. It's knocked us off a little bit and that's enough to lose a game in the Prem. Like that's this the fine margins. You can't just throw like spanners into the works at this sort of level because if it goes wrong, you're, 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 you're effed. Like, but the specialist coach thing, 100%. I don't see why we don't do that sort of thing more. That set us apart in years previous. Um, and I think we should try and chase those little marginal gains, 100%. Yeah, uh, if you if you was to ask me, um, I personally wouldn't change um, a lot in terms of coaching staff because I personally don't think <clears throat> our coaching style um, is the issue or we're being poorly coached. Um, mm, I do feel like the personnel we have in the team for the coaching that we are providing in games, they aren't just able to perform what we plan out because, yeah. of course, the intensity is different from training. Um Again, I think people generally underestimate and on both ends, um, especially the the end the end that feels like we should have like we should stick with these players just because they've won us stuff. These players have had now coming up to five long years, like long seasons, yeah. like five long seasons. Like the fact that we're still relying, I would say in most games, 80% of the same players that we had when we when we was in the first Champions League final. Is it's it's gonna just play a part in just the way we um we defend, the way we attack, the way we sustain our presses, the way we sustain, uh, the way we're able to um, deal with counter attacks, and I feel that like that is probably the biggest issue that we have is um personnel, if you ask me, because within the team I don't feel like there's a fix, and if there was a fix within the team, then that's when I would say that coaching is a problem, um because if you're unable to coach a team that could fix the issues that you have, then that's when you start looking at the coach like, well, the players are there, so why aren't you using them in the right way? And there are obviously some criticisms you can give of Klopp. Like, again, we've mentioned it um, in this in this pod. Like, again, using using Elliot when Naby Keita is fully available is a bit baffling, um, but I, it is what it is. And he's done this in the past as well. Um, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. Um, I'll say I'll say this as well to to back up your point on the not necessarily needing um, coaching is that like well there's there's a Bielsa quote in it and he says 
if we played with robots, well, like, like I'd never lose. Like you can't question my tactics, in it. Like if I, mm. if I if if I wasn't coaching humans, I would never lose a game. Um, and I think Klopp is of that like ilk. Like we we're, we're not talking about some guy that's just like lucked his way to the top, in it. Like this is a guy that's, do you know what I mean? And they've all learned their stripes, in it, and they're all top 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 coaches. Um, and there's not like it, it. Just think of what. All of us, the whole of Kef, all of the different theories, reasons, annoyances we have as to why we're not doing well, pretty much, except for like the, the, the little ones that we've mentioned, like you've just mentioned, the subs, like rotation, little things like that. Not major things, just little little things that, that could change a singular game. But when you look at all of our problems from the whole of this season, almost none of it is in control is is under Klopp's control. It's like intensity, fight finishing your chances, not making stupid mistakes, communication. That's the sort of stuff that Klopp can't control. Like and I and these same like... and these and these same players have executed the things that we want them to do. Um, exactly. So you, yeah, exactly. exactly. So the, the the problem obviously lies within the players somewhere, like you said. Um Klopp can't magic that out of you. Like he can so you can be motivated, but like if you control your own mind. Like, like what Klopp does is not brainwashing, it's motivation. You've still got to have it within you. Hence, this, this, the sort of players that he likes to sign, you've still got to have it within you to execute that. And I think with the, 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 the lack of intensity, the blaming other people, the leaving your jobs up to another player on the pitch, et cetera, et cetera, is showing the human side of the players, not necessarily Klopp for me. I still, Klopp's still done nothing to prove himself wrong or anyone that loves him wrong to be honest I think it's quite clear that there's something up with the players mentally um was listening to the James Milner Liverpool podcast the other day and he was talking about how hurt they are still about not being able to celebrate their title and you could just see it in his face you were like oh okay like that's fucked them up a little bit like it's not just that like we say like we sort of assumed it would give them the passion to come back and rah rah rah. When you li- listen to the players talk about it, it sounds more like they're talking about like a, a traumatic event. Like it sounds like they're talking about someone that's passed, not something that's like. And that's why we're back. Rah, rah, rah. It's like yeah, that that yeah, yeah, that was horrible. That's the and worst yeah. part of my career and shit like that. So like it done them. It done them. And yeah, sorry to touch on that. It's like, yeah, I think we forget like the mental, forget physical, the mental aspect of what a lot of these players have gone through. Like a lot of these players, for example, have lost now multiple Champions League finals and multiple exactly, Premier man. League, multiple Premier League um, races. And it's got to burn after a bit. Like you've got to be like, what, season six now of like us? Yes, mentally, it has to be mentally draining. Yeah, it man. must it, be draining, yeah. It, I don't think these... Well, people understand what it is, yeah, to get 97 points, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, mate? And not win a league. Like, that's and I crazy. it happened twice. Like, you got 90 plus points twice and you didn't win the league. Like, like, yeah. okay, like, like listen to how other f- fans or other pundits that support other teams talk about Liverpool. And it's like this, especially City fans. And they sort of think, like, the instant thing is, like, you just won everything once. Like, when you look back on it, it's not even going to be a significant era in Premier League football. No. Like, imagine being yeah. part of that and being what? Like, someone calculated it, and I think it was like if four games went a goal different, 
we'd be like the most successful team in English history in within like the the time that Klopp's been there or something like that. And this stuff, like, like imagine being a player and being four games between like arguably the best team in English history and just like oh they were decent back then. Like that's that's like that's soul crushing, man. Like that's that's their careers, and it's gone from like legendary to oh Liverpool fans will love you forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but it is like that is a big like it sounds mad to us because oh, like man. we do anything yeah. to play ten minutes, but you think that's a big drop off, and it just happened within a few weeks. All of a sudden, it's like and it's yeah. I I I don't feel sorry for them because like you, if if this something if a setback happened at work you wouldn't just be allowed to just be shit for the next year. Do you know what I mean? Like, it don't really work like that. But I do I do think we, because it sounds a little bit wet YP, I think we brush over that quite a lot. No, we do. We do. Um, yeah, I think that's the perfect way to end the pod. Um, this was long, um, but there was a lot to get <laughs> yeah. through. Um, yeah, I think, what, we've done two plus hours, man. Like, you know, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, you ain't got nine on us. You know, like we 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 do the Iron Man matches regular. Trust. That was a real last man standing Iron Man thing, man. <laughs> regular. That's what we do. Um, so again, thank you everyone for listening. Um to the ops that made it this far. Fuck you lot. Um to the, to, to the Liverpool fans. <laughs> to the Liverpool to the Liverpool fans that are listening in. Thank you for um tuning in and sharing our pain with us. Again, subscribe to the Patreon. Um, there's going to be more Liverpool content coming out. Um, Anik has already left us, so he says goodbye. But Marco, yeah, yeah. fucking two, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was waiting for these listeners' questions so Yak can answer them. Yak, you got uh, sorry, Yak, Anik, Anik. So Anik can answer them. Anik, you got away with it again. You waste, man. You prick. Anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Please. man. Bless. All right, cool. We'll see you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.